This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning, we're talking about when do you need a lawyer? If you need a lawyer, where are you going to get one? And if you're going to, what kind of one should you get? And uh, how do you pay for one? Uh, what are their, how do their fees how does that work out? So uh, we're also glad to have our uh, guest uh, assistant dean and professor Ben Cooper, also from the University of Mississippi School of Law. So good morning, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Professor Gershon. We seem to be having a little bit of trouble with our... Uh, Folks, now we'll try that. Good morning, Professor Gerson. Uh, good morning, Liz. Can you, can you hear me? <laughs> Fantastically well. Yes, oh, this is live radio, folks. And you know, uh, uh, sometimes the, the highway from Oxford to Jackson has a few potholes, but uh, we're, we're good to go now. How are you this morning? We're doing great. And uh, as before I introduce our guest, uh, Associate Dean Ben Cooper, I want to uh, give a shout out to my son, Ben Gershon, who's sitting in the, uh, in the studio with us. He is a uh, graduate uh, teaching assistant at the University of Kansas, where he teaches uh, math and calculus and stuff like that. So if we have any of those questions, uh, he can answer those. But um, Ben Cooper, it really is an honor to have uh, Dean Cooper on the show today. Uh, This is someone who not only practiced in the private sector, was a partner in firms in both New York and, 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 and Philadelphia, but also in the public sector, he was a clerk for a federal judge. Uh, he is the president-elect of the American Association of Law Schools section on legal legal profession. And so uh, really a, a great topic to have him on. And he's just a, a, a really a pleasure to work with Ben every day. Well, thank you for that introduction, Richard. It's a pleasure to work with you every day. <laughs> we'll make sure we uh, uh, address our uh, integrating uh, calculus questions oh. uh, to one bin and our uh, lawyer selecting questions to the other. <laughs> no, no math for the lawyers, for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, so this morning we thought we would talk and uh, have our audience uh, call in with their questions about how to select a lawyer. So the first question somebody might have, uh, I always hated in school when you would take economics and they would deal in the perfect world. Well, this isn't the perfect world, and you might want a lawyer for every little thing, but when is it cost prohibitive? When do you, sometimes you might need a lawyer and when might you not? That's a really, really great question, Liz. And um, I did some work with the with the ABA. I was on a task force um, 
that studied the future of legal services in the United States. And that was a question that we talked about a lot because there is a um, people have a lot of legal issues. And one of the biggest things that the commission found is that people often don't know when they have an issue that requires a lawyer. There's a a professor in in, uh, Chicago working for the ABA Foundation um, who did some uh, research on that topic, and that's exactly what she found from surveying people is that they have a hard time figuring out. uh, They don't even know when they have a legal issue that requires uh, a lawyer or some some other solution. So it's a great question, and I don't think it's one that's easy to answer. Um, I think, you know, one thing as uh, someone who's in, in education and also part of a legal pro- part of the legal profession is we need to do a better job of educating the public about their rights, about legal issues, so that they're in a position where they can identify, ah, I have a legal issue. I need to go and, and, and uh, see a lawyer about this. Would it be possible, and I guess this is on a case-by-case basis, uh, if you called, if you knew a lawyer and you called during business hours, uh, would would they be able to to tell you, you know, yes, this is something you could handle on your own or no, this is something you may need to seek additional help for? Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that we really try to uh, do in law school with our students is teach them to spot issues. Um, So a really important part about being a lawyer is being able to figure out, ah, I see what the issue is here and I see what the the problem that needs to be solved, the research that needs to be done, whether it's legal research or figuring out the, the facts and investigating them. So lawyers do have that skill, and if, if um, somebody knows a lawyer um, or gets the number of a lawyer, that would, that would be a great resource, would be call a lawyer and sort of get, an initial, uh, get into an initial conversation about uh, whether, whether they need to go forward with legal representation, that's right, or whether it's a problem that, that doesn't need a lawyer. Before we get to our call from Michael in Columbia, are there judicial uh, areas when you don't need a lawyer? Well, people always have the right to represent themselves, but I think we know what Shakespeare said about that. Uh, You know, a a person who represents himself has a fool for a lawyer. Um, So... uh, that's that's another huge area, though, where you know lawyers uh, that, that we need to work on as a as a country, where uh, lawyers cost money. Some some lawyers cost a lot of money, um, and lawyers have a right to to make a living, of course. Uh, but um, sometimes people have problems where. It's an important legal problem to them, but they either don't have the money or it wouldn't make sense to spend the money on a lawyer. And how do we, uh, how do we, how do we help those people? How do we create resources for those people where they have a problem that doesn't necessarily require a lawyer? So I don't think I answered your question directly, <laughs> but I think it's a, it's a huge topic, again, that our, our ABA commission looked into and decided, you know what, as a country, we really need to do better on and, that. And Ben, I, I know just you know occasionally i've had people say here's my problem and their problem really is not one necessarily a lawyer could help them with it's something communication could help them with but you know a lawyer is you go to a lawyer if maybe you can get some monetary damages or some result but a lot of times people just want an apology and i'm not so sure 
right. you know, that's, you know, but they, they think that lawyers can help with that too. There obviously are concrete problems where people should go to a lawyer if they need to, uh, need to get a divorce, if they uh, want to get a good will drawn, if they're in a dispute uh, over a contract where there's a lot of money at stake. Obviously, if they have criminal issues, they should, they should see a lawyer. Um, but like Richard said, there's a lot of other areas where it's a, it's a lot more gray and it, it requires a case by case analysis. And, um, and sometimes, you know, a lawyer can help help identify that there is or is not an issue. I think, as you said, that's a, that's one possibility. Uh, but sometimes people uh, don't know um, and don't maybe they don't know a good lawyer to talk to to figure that out. And um, that's a real puzzle that we have to work on as a country. Well, here's a good segue. Um, if you think, if you have a question about whether you need a lawyer or not, you can give us a call. Uh, our number is one. 877-672-7464, and we'll let Professor Gershon uh, let you know if this is something you could handle or if you needed a lawyer. So now we're going to go to Columbia, uh, and Michael has called in. Welcome to In Legal Terms, Michael. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. What's your question or comment? Well, my question is... Um I left out of my apartment, like, uh, going on, like, almost three weeks ago, and um, I called my landlord to see if I can get my deposit back, and they told me that, you know, it needs to be some painting and also some uh, carpet cleaning. Uh, so they pretty much told me they was going to use my deposit to do, do that work, and also they have 45 days to return that deposit. So, um, you know, I did a little legal research, called myself looking up some stuff on uh, Westlaw and found out that, uh, you know, during routine cleanings, uh, I mean, that's a routine cleaning, so they shouldn't have to use my deposit, if I read correctly, to do a painting or clean of the carpet. So I um, also, also found out that if there is any damages, they're supposed to send you a letter listing uh, what damages that occurred and to see if you could test it or uh, in a way of if you're saying, yeah, I did that and I agree to the damages or not. Uh, so my question is, um, I haven't got this list showing me that I did these damages or not like that because I have 30 days to, to present that to me. If they don't present this to me, I read that they, um, they forfeit uh, any, um, any claims to any damages that I did, which I didn't do anything to the apartment. I filmed it. Uh, before I left because they, for some reason, didn't want to walk through their apartment with me. So I, for my protection, I went in and documented video. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out, uh, to, to get my deposit back, do I need to seek a lawyer or can I go to a small claims court? Hello? Thanks, for, thanks. Thanks for your question, oh, Michael. Okay. Uh, so the um, I mean, I guess the first thing we have to say is that we're not your lawyer and we can't give you legal advice. Yeah. <laughs> but right. you're, it, it sounds like you've done research um, that your rights are defined in your lease principally. So hopefully you're reading that very carefully. It sounds like you have. Uh, this is a, a great example of an issue where you probably can go to small claims court and pursue this yourself if your landlord is not treating you fairly and is violating 
negotiating the terms of your lease. The justice court in Mississippi, the jurisdictional limit, meaning the amount of money that you can seek, is up to $3,500. So I'm sure that your security deposit falls probably under that. And yes, you can pursue uh, a claim against your landlord there. You might want to try to communicate with your landlord first and tell them. It sounds like you have tried, but maybe send them a letter in writing that uh, you know this is you're not being treated fairly. They're they're not doing what they're supposed to do under the lease. Cite the specific specific provision of the lease that uh, they're not uh, complying with and see if you can get them to cooperate that way and tell them if not that you're you're planning to take them to small claims court it's also it's a great example though the problem that we talked about earlier of um, you have a situation where you're out some money probably unfairly you probably your landlord has violated the law but you're not going to find a lawyer who's going to be willing to take your case most likely because there's not a lot of money at stake and the lawyer has to you know the lawyer has a right to get paid and the, there's not enough money there where you could get a lawyer to take a piece of it and then leave enough for you. But this is something where you should be able to pursue it in small claims court. Okay, cool. And um, that's my other question. I, I seem, it seemed to laugh soon as, uh, as you finish. Um, yeah, but I, I think that pretty much answered everything. Um, oh, yeah. Um, my question was uh, not my question, but yeah, you made a good point. Um, about that, and my, another thing is that you, sometimes you got to be careful with these contracts because a lot of people put things in contracts that not necessarily are uh, legal. So that's another thing I think uh, people should definitely get a lawyer to look over because uh, you know just like how our states can pass laws, but if it affects the federal uh, laws, you know that doesn't make it legal. You know sometimes. So uh, just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Michael. It, Thank you. It, it sounds like Michael really has uh, his wits about him and is, is trying to be an informed citizen. Um, he mentioned, uh, Professor Cooper, uh, was, it, was it Westlaw? Where are some ways that an individual could uh, educate themselves on a law topic? Well, there's a lot of information that's available just through just on the internet for free uh, through through a through a Google search. Um, uh, there's a website um, that uh, is put together by um, it's powered by Law Help, but it's mslegalservices.org www.mslegalservices.org and I, w- I was looking at that website actually this morning it has uh, a lot of information about um, a, a wide variety of issues in some cases there are sample forms that, that an individual who's trying to help him or, se- him or herself might use it has, it has information that seems to have been vetted it usually says when the information was last checked to let you know if it's accurate um, but that's a, that's a resource that um, is available to people who live in Mississippi who want to uh, educate themselves about their rights. Fantastic. Well, when we come back from our break, we're going to continue our discussion about selecting a lawyer. So, uh, Henry and Jackson, hold on. If you have a question about uh, how to select a lawyer, what to look for for your situation, you can call, give us a call. Our number is one. 1- 877 MPB ring that's 18776727464 
You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Now, we realize that not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live. So if you miss any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB media app, as is all our local shows, where you could go to wherever you get podcasts and download it that way. I'm Liz Gill here today with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and our guest is Professor Ben Cooper. And this morning we're talking about uh, how to select a lawyer. So we're going to go ahead and assume we need a lawyer, and we're going to talk about uh, ways that you could select one. If you have a call, question about this, you can give us a call. It's one 672 7464 And... Uh, I, I think uh, uh, trying to select a lawyer, you should go about it uh, methodically, not just asking Professor Gershon for advice when you see him at the grocery store. Well, that, that's right. And uh, <laughs> and I can't give that advice at the grocery store, and neither could Dean Cooper. Uh, you know, it's, it is a methodical process. Um, and don't just, uh, you know, while people have a right to advertise on billboards and things like that or TV, that's not the only resource. There are a lot of good resources to find out uh, how to find a lawyer. And, sure. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the conventional wisdom, and I think it's true, is that the best way to find a lawyer is, is through a personal referral, is talk to your friends, talk to your friends who are lawyers, and, and find to find somebody who's who's appropriate. We certainly also see uh, a- advertising, and you have to take all of that with a grain of salt. Um, you know, if you are looking for a uh, a, a family law practitioner in a in a particular area. Again, the, the internet is just an incredible resource, and just by googling, you know, family lawyer in Columbus, Mississippi, you can find the people who practice law in 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 Columbus, and you can kind of scroll through and look at their websites and see uh, if they're people who might be interesting to you. Again, this is sort of secondary to uh, a personal referral, which is probably the best way. Uh, but then that gets to, well, well how do you know, um, I said to select, an, we said to select an appropriate lawyer. Well, what, what does that mean? How do we know uh, who's an appropriate lawyer? And I do think that um, you, you need to be, you need to be careful. You need to be a, a good consumer. You need to ask the right questions of people who you might hire to be your lawyer. Uh, I think you know, one of the best questions to ask is, you know, have you handled 
this kind of legal problem that I'm coming to you with? You know, have you have you handled child custody cases? Have you handled criminal cases? Have you handled tax matters or whatever the specific matter is? You have every right to ask uh, your prospective lawyer, have you handled this kind of matter? What kind of experience do you have in this area so that you can know what you're getting? Now, a, a good and honest lawyer should should be up front and should really should, I think, should tell you that without you even having to ask. But, um, uh, y- you know, you, you should also be a good consumer and, and ask those questions. All right. We have a full list of phones, so we appreciate Henry holding on. Uh, Henry from Jackson, uh, go ahead. What's your question for in legal terms? Well, it's really not a question. I just uh, I think it was Professor Cooper that uh, that quoted. He said he's quoted Shakespeare about the person who represents himself as a fool for a client. And fool for, fool for actually, a lawyer. That well. It's a fool for a client, actually, sir. And that's Abraham Lincoln. I just want to set the record straight. That wasn't Shakespeare. Well, that's one for the Americans. So, all right. <laughs> thank, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, now we're going to go to Columbus. Uh, Mary's on the phone. Go ahead. What's your question or comment for our show? I was involved in an accident early this, earlier this year. Um, I was the victim. I was broadsided on a four-lane highway by a car who entered the highway from a country road and failed to yield or stop. And uh, it was a very damaging accident. Uh, I was injured. Uh, my passenger was in, injured, and my husband was injured in the back seat. We all had on seat belts. I, uh, we were doing the right thing, and it was just one of those things that shouldn't have happened, actually. But in any case, uh, it's never a good time for an accident, but this was a particularly unfortunate time to have this accident because we were en route to MD Anderson for cancer treatment for my husband, and we have uh, loaded and packed for um, an extended stay in Houston. So it was a very unfortunate timing, and it it caused a lot of uh, grief and difficulty for us to make other arrangements to to be able to continue on uh, to Houston for medical treatment. In any case, uh, my injuries uh, have continued to plague me, and I've continued to have to be in treatment. Uh, it involves it involves my hands, uh, two broken hands, and rather severely broken. Actually, I've been in cast. I was in cast and splints for months, and just recently came out of the last cast. And um, so it it has been very inconvenient and painful. I still have pain. I still have problems, and I've had to give up some of my. Uh, hobbies uh, that I enjoy, calligraphy and painting, due to the injuries that I've had to my hands. And my question is this. I, I just recently was told uh, that I could file an uninsured motorist claim for pain and suffering because of the 
tremendous inconvenience this caused for us. We were unable to go to Houston with continue with a car. We were out there without a car as we had planned. We were staying in an apartment because of an extended stay. And all of the things that I couldn't do to help my husband uh, for his care because both my hands were broken. The person who hit us was uninsured. I carry uninsured motorist insurance. And I was, it was recommended to me that I might consider filing a claim for pain and suffering, even though that person was uninsured because I carry uninsured motorists and that that was something that would be a legitimate grievance and, and worth pursuing with my own insurance. And I don't want to do anything to damage my future insurance coverage or to have to pay other premiums because of this accident. And, and uh, I, I really don't want to cause unnecessary problems. But this has continued to be such a nuisance and it was so avoidable. And I'm just wondering whether to pursue that. Um, an additional claim. Oh, uh, Mary, that, that uh, what a what a horrible time that all that happened. Um, so, uh, professors, is uh, would you, if someone has been hit, uh, if someone's been in an accident with an uninsured motorist, is that something they uh, specifically would go through their insurance uh, about, or is there so, a, another legal course, some other way? Well, I'm so sorry, Mary, that you, you've gone through all that, and, but I do think this might be a time to talk to a lawyer to see. Because I, I, you know, I can't assess how much damage there is, what your pain and suffering uh, situation might be, but someone who handles claims like this could, and they could help you at least navigate the waters with your insurance company and and know you know they would have access to the policy itself they would have information that we we just don't have here on on the radio uh to even address it but it is something that's a time when you could talk to a lawyer a lot of lawyers will give you uh, an initial consultation without a charge or with a, a minimal charge to, to to kind of talk through it with you and go through your materials uh you know uh, michael called earlier and he was very very prepared one one thing i would recommend is that you prepare uh, when you talk to a lawyer with all your medical records and the expenses of, of the accident, have all that ready for them uh, and share that with them and they can help you navigate that. Um, so this is just to me, in my opinion, this is a time that uh, talking to a lawyer, it sounds like th- there uh, could be enough there that that a lawyer could help you. Ben, do you think, I mean, I, I don't uh purport to be an expert on insurance law again and mary i'm very sorry about what what happened to you uh you know, it's it's possible that it's something that could be resolved um, through your insurance company without a lawyer. Also, uh, if if the accident wasn't your fault, my understanding is that you know your insurance company should not be able to uh, you know penalize you for making a claim on your policy based on an accident that was caused by somebody else, as you said it was. So, um, I don't have anything more than that to add. All right, Mary, we're so sorry uh, for the the horrible circumstances that that happened to you. Uh, We had a call who came in who couldn't stay on the line, and they had a question about uh, the ability, uh, how wise it was to use prepaid legal Zoom, uh, I guess, to to either gather information or instead of a lawyer. What, uh, What do you know about that website? 
LegalZoom has been around for a long time, um, and it's been a very successful company. Um, I think that the uh, resources that are available on LegalZoom are probably a mixed bag. Some of them are great and suit people's needs. Um, others of them um, probably fall short, and people pay money for things that um, don't help them, and then they wind up having to go see a lawyer to, to clean up the mess. Uh, there's a variety of services that LegalZoom offers as well. Um, LegalZoom um, started off primarily uh, with forms that, that people could use, selling forms. You know, if you're a small business and you want to incorporate, they would provide you with a form and help you fill out that form in an automated manner, sort of like how you use TurboTax to do your taxes. Uh, they, they have, as I understand it, gone into, I think it sounds like the caller mentioned prepaid legal services, you know, maybe where you have a contract with them and uh, that enables you to have access to a lawyer for a certain amount of time, for a certain amount of money. Um, that's going to, you know, the, the success of that um, and how, how good the, the quality of that is is going to depend on really how good, how good the lawyer is. Um, if, it's a, if it's a good lawyer providing good service, then it doesn't matter if it's through LegalZoom or, or through some other, uh, you know, through a law firm um, or some other means. So um, I know that's not a specific answer. It's a, hard, it's a hard question to answer. But we are seeing increasingly companies like LegalZoom offering uh, services that try to meet consumers where they are, which is online often, um, and often trying to uh, get legal help um, at a at a lower cost. And LegalZoom has been in that market, and um, it's been a mixed bag, I think. All right. Well, and uh, we're about to take our second break. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about how to choose uh, a lawyer. We can talk about uh, we've had some shows on uh, which counties have public defenders. We can talk about legal aid, uh, talk about uh, how to check credentials of lawyers. And if you have a question, we would love to hear from you and have you be part of our show. Our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. If you're holding for the show, hang on. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to In Legal, Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we're joined today by our guest, Professor Ben Cooper. Uh, where he is not taking your uh, calculus questions, but if you do have any, then we've got Ben Gershon, who's also there. But today we're talking about how to choose a lawyer. So uh, we have a, a call from Carol 
Carol from Alabama. You've been holding for a while. We uh, appreciate you listening in to uh, in legal terms. Uh, we love our Alabama listeners. What is your question? Hi, thank you for taking my call. The question is, I purchased a house with someone, and the first five years I lived in the house, the last 10 years I have not lived there, but both our names are on the house. The other party is remarried. I want to get my name off the house. So what do I do? Do I just get a real estate lawyer? Do I have to go to the county and get records? Or is the real estate lawyer going to do that? I mean, is there some kind of checklist of pre-work I need to do first? Well, that's, you know, it's a great question. I think this is one where, um, you know, the first thing I would do is go to your county clerk. I mean, I really would. I, you know, they the the people who work in the the offices that deal with real estate records and uh, you know they they really can help you a lot. They can't give you legal advice, but there are things that you can do yourself that they can help you with, and there are things mm-hmm. that you might need uh, you know some legal help that they they can let you know what that is. Because again, it, and it does vary from county to county in a lot of, a lot of situations, especially you're in Alabama. So my recommendation is start with them and say, what do I need to do? And so you will not be the first person that's ever done this either. So they've seen this before. They know exactly the steps you need to take. And then if they if you do need a lawyer, they probably know a lawyer who handles those matters. Oh. And, and, and I think okay. that would probably, you know, I, I think, you know, the if, if people started by going to their, their, their counties and their cities and talking to the people who work in those offices, they are a tremendous resource. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. Okay, bye. See, and and that's what's so great about our show is sometimes you just need the little spurt of information to to get you going. So, uh, Professor Gershon, we we, we appreciate you and uh, getting us such great guests who can give advice to our callers. And our next caller is Danny, who's called in, and he's in Mississippi, not Alabama. So, Danny, what's your question or comment for In Legal Terms? All right. I have a question. I had surgery, um, and I, I, it's been about two years, and I am in worse shape now, a lot worse shape than I was before the surgery. And I was wondering, can you hold a doctor liable for something like that? And how would I get this surgery fixed by the doctor or what have you? So it's a great question, Danny, and I'm sorry that you're having you're having problems. Um, you know, medical malpractice is certainly um, a claim that uh, a legal claim. If if the doctor uh, made an error uh, with with the procedure that he or she performed on you, there are lawyers who specialize in medical malpractice uh, who can you know review your situation. Um, they should look at your medical records, uh, and that will help them make a determination about whether uh, whether you have a claim. So, you know, this is a situation where you know I think we both would recommend that you you try to find a lawyer who has experience with medical malpractice claims and talk to that lawyer about uh, about the potential potential claim that you might have. Right. Okay. All right. Thanks, sir. All right. Thank you for calling in, Danny. And if you have a question about how to look for a lawyer, uh, we would love for you to give our show a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. 
672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Well, Professor Cooper, you did mention, um, you know, one of the best ways to look for a lawyer is personal referral, uh, asking someone who they have used and uh, how they like them. Uh, what are some other ways that you could uh, select uh first start the beginning of selecting a lawyer right i really think that the internet is a tremendous resource it's it's something that we all have at our fingertips today and uh um you know it's also something that i tell my students that you know where are where are consumers going to look for you they're going to look for you where they are which is uh, on their phones on the internet and a lot of lawyers now have websites and uh, you know, a, a simple search um, in a search engine can lead you to the names of lawyers who work in your uh, geographical area and also work in the area of expertise that you need. So I really uh, re- recommend that people look that way, and I recommend that lawyers make themselves available to clients that way, that they market themselves that way, because that's, that's where people are today. Is that a way to advertise without advertising? Well, it is. It is advertising. I mean, I think that the the bar certainly would consider that to be advertising, and and websites have to comply with all of the rules of professional conduct. They're considered to be advertising within the meaning of the rules of professional conduct. The advertisements have to be truthful. They can't make promises about. Uh, things that the lawyer can do for people. Uh, they have to follow all of the rules of professional conduct. So in that sense, they can be good sources of information for people. And we realize a lot of people don't have access to the Internet, but I think most libraries uh, do have computers where you can get on and look things up. But if someone, uh, uh, due to uh, financial reasons, doesn't feel they can uh, afford uh, a lawyer what are some ways they what are something avenues they could investigate absolutely well you know if it's a criminal matter um, then they need someone who is a specialist in, in criminal law and of course if uh, if they're charged with a crime they have a right to counsel under the sixth amendment of the constitution and they have a right to the appointment of a public defender uh, but if it's a civil matter the supreme court um, unfortunately has said that people do not have a right to counsel in in civil matters and so that's where we we have what is often referred to as this access to justice this gap. So there's a there's a the, the biggest resource for people that that can't afford a lawyer is is legal aid. Uh, and there are legal aid offices in every state in the country, including our state. Um, they are funded uh, first by Congress and then Congress. Uh, they're funded by Congress. Congress funds the Legal Services Corporation in D.C. and then they dole out the money to the states. Uh, so we have two uh, legal services offices in Mississippi, one in the north, one in the south of the state. They uh, can only handle matters for people who are, I think the number is within 133% of the poverty line. It's either 125% or 133% of the poverty line. So people who, who are poor. Um, and the, the, that's the eligibility for, for legal services. And unfortunately, 
those offices, they have terrific lawyers, but they're understaffed, um, and they can't take every case that they're eligible to take. Um, the funding for those offices has been cut in real dollars. It was at a high back when um, Bill Clinton was president, and it has, has dropped uh, since then. Um, and so some of those lawyers have had to be laid off, and, and they just can't handle as many cases as they used to. The, the need far outweighs uh, what, what those offices offer, but they are a place for people who are um, income eligible to start. Uh, after that, um, it's, it's hard. I mean, that's where the gap really comes in for those people who are above the income eligibility, and that's a lot of people, and yet don't um, have enough money to afford a, a, a private lawyer who's charging, you know, a hundred, couple hundred dollars an hour, that's where we really run into a problem, and, and we have a lack of resources uh, for, for people who are not just poor, but who are, you know, working in middle class. Okay, professors, we have a full slate of calls, and uh, we'll, we'll work, take one of them before we take our next break. So I think, uh, uh, Graylin, you've been holding. Uh, we appreciate you calling in for In Legal Terms. Uh, what's your question or comment? I'd like to know how to find a malpractice lawyer for my daughter. All right. What, uh, uh, Professor Cooper, uh is, is malpractice law a specialty, or do most lawyers handle that topic? Well, I'm not sure if, if the caller is, is talking about legal malpractice or medical malpractice or medical, medical malpractice. Yeah. Uh, we don't really have um, formal specialization in the law, but um, going back to something I said earlier, uh, you should look for a lawyer who has experience with medical malpractice cases. Uh, again, I, w I would try to use, um, I would, I would ask around to people that you know and see if you can get a referral to a lawyer. Uh, I would uh, I would try, you know, internet searches to try to find uh, a medical malpractice lawyer or just find a lawyer and then ask that lawyer, you know, have you handled medical malpractice cases? If you haven't, can you refer me to someone who has handled medical malpractice cases? That's really the question that you need to ask. Do you have experience handling medical malpractice cases? Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you. And now we're going to go ahead and take our last break of the hour. Uh, you're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our host and uh, an expert from Oxford, and he's being joined today by Professor Ben Cooper. And we're talking about selecting a lawyer, how to go about doing that. So we're taking our last break of In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Remember, if you've missed any of our program, you can finish listening to it uh, from a podcast. You can listen to Fix It 101 on a podcast, and you can listen to In Legal Terms. And if you've missed anyone, that's a great way to go back and listen to old shows and to catch up. Uh, because maybe uh, you don't need to select a lawyer right now, but one day you will, and you can go back to listen to the show to get some tips on how to do that. I'm Liz Gill here with today with Professor Richard Gershon and Professor Ben Cooper from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and we've got uh, the last three calls we're going to talk about on selecting a lawyer. And we appreciate uh, Brian for holding on, who's on the road. Uh, Brian, what's your question or comment for in legal terms? Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, 15, 18 years ago, I uh, was in Dallas, Texas, and was ran over in an intersection by a uh, drunk city bus driver. Uh, I was pronounced dead on the scene and was resuscitated, long hospital stay, many injuries uh, due to... A long time in recovery. I eventually ran out of savings, uh, ran out of places to stay, and kind of, kind of forced into accepting the settlement from the uh, bus company. Uh, it was a very small, very small. Um, and of course, as you can imagine, after paying the attorney and friends and family members for the help, there wasn't a whole lot left. My my question is, do, do I have any? course and and going back after these really mean people or because i've accepted the the settlement am i done brian i'm sorry about your your accident and what you've gone through uh You know, we can't say without knowing all the details, uh, but what you're describing happened a long time ago. um, And so that is going to make it difficult, uh, as is the fact that you have accepted a settlement. Um, Settlements, uh, you know, it's a contract and uh, contracts can sometimes be undone, but it's not easy to do. So. what would be some sort of tips for Brian? Could he go back and read? The, is, do you get a piece of paper with the settlement? Sure, he can read his settlement documents, or Brian is still on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have all the documents, yes. And you can certainly read them carefully and, and see what they have to say. It sounds like you never did see a lawyer about this. Yeah, yes, I did. Uh, the, this lawyer oh, you was did. supposedly right. uh, specializing in this particular type of accident. Right. I mean, you can go back to the lawyer and you can talk about it with him. You can choose to, to see another lawyer. It, it's going to be it, it, it's certainly going to be hard that this happened a long time ago. And I, I don't know when when did you sign the settlement documents? Uh, many years ago. Many yeah. years ago. That's going to both of those things are going to make it make it difficult for you. Is 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 the okay, way that I, I see it. Feeling. But uh, as uh, Professor uh, Cooper has said earlier, when you do go in to see a lawyer, uh, the better, or I guess uh, Professor Gershon said, the better prepared you are with all your information on hand so that uh, 
they there's no question and you don't have to go back to look for anything be sure to take as much information with you as you can so that you're prepared for that uh, let's try to get in our call to Jennifer uh, thanks for calling in legal terms what's your question or comment yes it's Number one, uh, is Mississippi a contributory or comparative uh, negligence uh, state? And number two, uh, uh, I'm I'm not getting any of this. Uh, can we, uh, Jennifer? I'm sorry. I think uh, you're going to need to send in an email. That was uh, such a bad connection. Uh, I got one and two, but that was all. Uh, let's go to uh, Canton. Thanks for calling into in legal terms. Uh, what's your question or comment for our show? Uh, yes, ma'am. I have two things. Uh, first off, uh, be thankful that he's still alive. Move on with life. Second thing is, I have a rotary telephone, and how should I, I don't have a computer, how should I be able to get in touch with you all? Well, uh, you can always, you know, give us a call our, our, during our regular show time, as you did. But I believe a lot of libraries have uh, Internet and access that uh, librarians are uh, very helpful with uh, getting information and uh, yes, helping people. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have any transportation to get to the library. That uh, I, then I think just calling us on uh, Tuesday mornings at at ten a.m. is uh, is the 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 option you have, or if you wanted to send a letter, our uh, our physical address at MPB is thirty eight. 25 Ridgewood Road in Jackson. Uh, professors, how do you uh, suggest people who don't have the Internet uh, seek information? Well, you know, I, know I still get a phone book uh, delivered. I, I kind of look at the phone book and go, what do I need it for? But, I mean, I think for people who don't have the Internet, look in the phone book. And you know, there are organizations, too, that can help you. AARP is one of them. You know, if you're an older person like I am, you know, there are good resources for from organizations like that who can uh, help you and, and, you know, maybe connect you with uh, people that they know are good in, in your area. So uh, use the phone book. That. And, yeah, we, we got one, I think, just this week. It doesn't have the white pages anymore, but it does have the yellow pages. Professor Ben Cooper, we appreciate you joining us today. We're so glad that you could come. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it. And uh, so that's going to wrap us up for In Legal Terms. Our call screener today was our intern, Joe Hall. And our board engineer in Jackson has been Jay White. In Oxford, uh, we couldn't do without Tracy Daniel. So professor for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us again next Tuesday at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.